We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is found in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. So if you want to turn to Luke 10 and then find 25. This is a parable that Jesus told. And why did he tell this parable? Well, let's have a read of the first few verses because he clearly... We find that from the first few verses why Jesus told this parable. Firstly, actually, it's probably good to know that Luke is not a Jew but a Gentile. So Luke is the person who wrote this book. He was a doctor. He actually went around talking to people and getting an accurate account of people's experiences of Jesus when he walked on earth. And so at the very beginning of Luke, we find out that this is what he's doing. And so when we read Luke, it's good to know that he actually isn't coming from a Jewish perspective. He's coming from a Gentile perspective. And a Gentile is pretty much anybody that's not a Jew. Okay, so that's the simplest way of thinking. There's either Jews and everybody else, Gentiles. So I don't know any of us who are Jewish. So all of us here would be Gentiles, which is who Luke is actually writing to. So that's just helpful to know as well. But let's find out why this parable was actually told. So on one occasion, this is from verse 25, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Now there's a few interesting things to pick up even in those few verses. The first thing is that this guy is an expert in the law. Now, when it's talking about the law, it's talking about the law of Moses, so the Jewish law. So this guy who knows the law really, really well is coming to ask Jesus a question. But why is he asking Jesus a question? Did anybody pick up a word that may tell us why he's asking Jesus this question? Yeah, to test So he's not asking because he wants to know the answer. He's pretty much coming and saying, I am an expert in the law. I know it all. Jesus, who on earth are you? I'm going to test you and see how good you are. That's pretty much the premise of why this question is being asked. So he asks this question. He does say teacher, or he probably said rabbi, to be completely honest. But So he's giving Jesus some sort of respect, but really... All he wants to do is to be able to say, ha, 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 I know so much more than you, is pretty much his intention. But as he goes on, he asks this question, and Jesus is so good at doing what Matt talked about, which is asking questions. So Jesus doesn't answer him. He asks him and says, hey, what's written in the law? So instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to give you the answer, Jesus turns it around and says, well, what do you think? And so the guy tells him, and Jesus said, you're right. You know what you're talking about. Good job. Go and do it. 
which often if you're an expert in something, you like to tell people about it more than you like to do it. I don't know what you find, but that's what I find. Often if you're an expert, you're like, I will tell you the best way to do it and then come and point out all how you're doing it wrong more than let me actually come and help you. So Jesus says, go do it. You know what to do. Go do it. But wanting, and this is what Mark pointed out, wanting to justify himself. So again, not because he has a heart to really understand. Jesus, I so want to understand what you're saying but because he wants to still make sure that he looks good, he says, well, who's my neighbour? So Jesus is telling this story. Now, there's other people listening, and that's always good to know. So it's not like Jesus is having a one-on-one conversation. But this is the reason why Jesus is telling this parable, to explain to this person who really just wants to try and trip Jesus up who your neighbour actually is. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at not actually who our neighbour is, but what does a Samaritan actually do in this story? So let's have a read of it, and we're going to stop along the way as we read, okay? So that's why it's helpful to have your Bible, so that as we stop, you sort of know what we're up to. So I'm going to read from verse 30. So in reply, Jesus answered, It's probably also really good to know that this is a parable. This is not a true story. I do know someone who was in Israel having a tour of Israel and the person who was taking them on the tour said, this is the inn that the Samaritan took the man to. In the story, the Samaritan takes the man to an inn, but we'll get to that in a minute. But he like made it out as if this was the inn. Well, there is no the inn because it's a made-up story to make a point. It's not an actual true story that happened. But we can still learn from it, but it is good to have that in mind where we're reading it. Back to the verses. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levi... When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. So let's just stop there for a second. So in this story, we've got a man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is actually like quite a walk. It's not just a day's walk. It's like 27 kilometres, 28 kilometres. He gets robbed, which is quite normal in that path. Like robbers were known to be on the lookout in the area. So then... A priest walks past. He sees the man on the road, but keeps on going. A Levi walks past, sees the man on the road, but keeps on going. So then we get to another person. And the reason why who this person is is important is because most of the people listening to Jesus at the moment tell this story are Jews. So he's just talked about a Levi who is one of the priestly tribes in Israel, so a highly respectable tribe, and a priest himself that has seen this person and done nothing. Then he brings in a Samaritan. And what you need to know is a Samaritan is like a half-Jew, half-Gentile. The Jewish people are mixed with some other people. 
way back with some Gentiles. The Samaritans were one of the groups of people that came out of that. And the Jews despised the Samaritans, wanted nothing to do with the Samaritan. So Jews and Samaritans did not like each other and it went both ways. So that's good to know because Jesus deliberately uses a Samaritan as the third person to make a really important point. So let's read what the Samaritan does. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. That is huge. It is so big that a Samaritan would take pity on a Jewish person. Regardless of what state the guy's in, we're, not, we're talking about enemies here. And he actually felt not hatred but pity. Really big thing. We'll keep on going from verse 34. So he, being the Samaritan, went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. So he not only had pity on the man, he actually did something about it. He not only did something about it, but he actually touched a Jewish person. He actually used his own supplies to bandage, to pour wine, to pour oil, to give him the best treatment that he could. So it's not just pity that says, poor you, sorry that you feel that way, bye. He interrupted where he was going to do something for his enemy. The end of 34. Then he put him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, they did have inns along the way on this road to Jericho. So he hasn't gone all the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. But he's now the Samaritan's walking, not using his donkey, because the donkey is being used by the Jewish person who's injured. So they go to the inn, and it's a Samaritan who takes care of the person who's ill. It even says, if you look at verse 20, 35, what's the first, who wants to tell me the first three verses of verse 35? Yeah, the next day. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. So he stayed there overnight and looked after the man who was sick. He didn't just drop him off. He didn't just hand him over to somebody else and said, my job's done. He actually took care of him and it would indicate he did it for more than just a short amount of time. The next day, he takes his own money and pays the innkeeper and says, can you continue to look after this guy? Here's some payment to do that. And when I come back, verse 35, the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after them, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. He didn't say, hey, when the guy wakes up, he'll be able to, like, pay for himself. After he's healed, I'm sure someone will come and look after him. He says, I will take responsibility for this person. I'm going to actually come back and whatever payment is still needed, I'll give it to you. 
Verse 36. Jesus says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Which I think is funny. He can't even say the Samaritan. Because who wants to say that word? That's just my reading of it. That's not actually, you know, who knows if that's the reason. But he actually had mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So this is a story of how we should actually treat other people. And the harsh thing is, we can't, which is what I think the teacher of the law was hoping for, that Jesus would say, well, your neighbour is the person who you are friendly with. Or your neighbour is the person who lives next to you, which is probably the way that we think of our neighbour. But Jesus made it really clear, this is how you treat the person who you for generations and generations hate and who hate you. So this is quite heavy. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be so busy that I don't actually, like being interrupted is like the worst thing in the world. You've got a plan, like this morning, I had a plan of what this morning was going to look like and then something that wasn't planned happened, which was nobody's fault, like it just happened, but it meant I had to spend more time doing things. And when I got here this morning, I was just like, oh, I was meant to be here earlier than what I was. I wasn't here for prayer. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And so I had to actually stop during worship and just say, hang on, God, like why am I here? And why am I feeling so uptight? Just because I got interrupted. Just because the day did not happen, like my morning did not happen. And I still got here before 10 o'clock. I'm still here. Like there's nothing major that happened. It just, I had decided last night what I needed to do this morning and what time I was going to wake up and how that would work. And something happened that meant there was other things I had to do. And I was all flustered and uptight about it. And sometimes... We don't actually want to sacrifice our plans and purposes for the person who actually needs the help. But Jesus says that's what actually we're called to do. The Samaritan is walking on the road and is interrupted but doesn't give any indication that that he's like annoyed at the interruption. And not only interrupted but interrupted by an enemy. And I was interrupted by someone that I care about. Like, so. But Jesus actually tells us that's how we should serve people. We should serve people in a way that actually is sacrificial. But more often than not, we like to serve out of convenience and think that that is what, how good am I because I'm serving? But I'm serving because it works for me. It fits into my plans. It's with people that I care about. But Jesus makes it really clear that there's actually sacrifice required to show mercy. And I think sometimes that's when we go, "Mm, not for me. There was a sacrifice in his time. There was a sacrifice in just his plans being ruined. There was a sacrifice in it cost him 
He wasn't planning on spending bandages, oil and wine on someone, let alone the money he had to give to the innkeeper and who knows, you know. I realise it's not a true story, but he was happy to come back and be generous and to say, I will give all the money that's needed and sacrifice for the sake of this person who needs help. This is actually what loving your neighbour should be measured against. This is actually what showing grace and mercy is. And I think sometimes we set the bar too low because we think serving is what the measure is, but it's actually sacrifice is what the measure is. And serving requires sacrifice sometimes, but I can serve without sacrificing. And that might be good. Like that might be helpful, but this story tells us if this is loving your neighbour, the bar needs to be higher than just helping. There's a passage in Kings. David actually is wanting to make a sacrifice to God, like an actual physical animal sacrifice. And this guy sees him and says, oh, let me give you my land. Let me give you my, like, I'll give you everything that you need. And David says, no, 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 I'm going to pay for it. And I'm paying full price because I will not sacrifice to my God that which costs me nothing. And I think sometimes our attitude can be, what can I get away with? I think sometimes we can think that we are so important and what our plans are and what we want to do and how we want to live that we actually think, hey, God, yeah, I'm helping people. Yeah, I'm serving. And we lower the bar and don't set it at the level that God actually sets it at, which is actually a costly service. It is actually sacrifice. Jesus tells us to take up the cross and deny yourself and follow him. So if we're not denying ourselves, are we really taking up the cross that Jesus asked us to? Romans 12 tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God because this is our spiritual act of worship. We can look at the story of the Good Samaritan and see it as a kid's story and see it as a fun. It's a great Sunday school story to use. And next week we're going to show you the kids last week looked at this story and did a play about it. And so we'll show you that next week. But it can be because it's a really good example of, hey, we should help people. But I truly believe that sometimes we water down the level of what God's actually asking us for because it's convenient and easy and comfortable. But this man helped out his enemy and nothing he did was easy or comfortable. He's the one walking the guys on the donkey. He's giving up his money. He's staying the night and looking after him. And if you look after someone overnight, you pretty much are like not getting much sleep. 
because you're checking on them. You're making sure they're okay. It's not like, hey, I'm just sleeping and he's sleeping and we're all good. We should be measuring ourselves, if we're measuring ourselves at all, not about, hey, am I helping people? But am I helping and serving in a way that God actually asked me to, which requires sacrifice, which is not something that we like and something that we try and avoid. But as a disciple of Jesus, if we want to walk in his ways, sacrifice has to be part of your language and part of your journey and part of your desire because it's all through the Old and New Testament. And Jesus sacrificed himself. And so we need to be people who sacrifice ourselves for the people that we love, sure, but for the despised enemy of our family for generations because that is what love is. That is the unconditional love that God gives us and that actually is what grace and mercy is about, not just what's easy for me but what I actually sacrifice in the way of helping. And that's what I think God wants to remind us of this morning, that serving is good but serving with sacrifice is actually the measure and the bar that we should be aiming for. Not in a way that is beating ourselves up and like, oh, good, how great is it because I'm sacrificing and so that's the big deal. But to say, I actually am going to be loving. And loving means giving of myself. And loving means giving when it's not convenient or easy or what I want to do. Instead of saying, hey, how can I give that's easy and works for me and where I receive. Because that measure is actually not what God's talking about. So when he says go and do likewise, he's not just saying go see this person as your neighbour, but act like the Samaritan did. And so that should be the measure that we have. That should be our desire. And that should be something that we don't shy away from but to step into. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we have your word that reveals yourself to us, God. I want to thank you, Lord God, for the question that um, this teacher of the law asked, Lord. I want to say, I'm sorry, Lord, that sometimes we are like the teacher of the law, Lord, and we ask questions to justify our own position than wanting to know the real answer. That sometimes, God, we want to look for the easy way out and to be able to cover ourselves than to actually hear what your heart is, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that each one of us would just seek out your heart, a heart that is giving to the nth degree, a heart that actually cares for anybody, regardless of who they are, and that serves, Lord, in a way that actually isn't just comfortable and easy and convenient, but serves even when it requires sacrifice, Lord. So, God, we want that to be our benchmark, Lord. We want to be your disciples. We want to be your ambassadors, God. And so I pray, Lord, that the next time we find ourselves in a situation where it's not easy, thank you, God, that we can rely on your strength, that we can know, God, that you will give us all that we need to help the people that are in front of us, Lord. 
that you don't ask us to sacrifice without actually providing all that we need to sacrifice God. So it's actually all you anyway, and we're just using what you've given us, God. So thanks, God, for your Holy Spirit. And thank you, God, that you are God who sacrificed so greatly for us. Amen.